Welcome to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Amos, and in this podcast, we talk about all things, you guessed it, demand generation in a simplified way. We cover the basics of what demand generation is, all the way through to how to get started and how to be successful when launching your demand generation framework. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive in. Hey, y'all. So for today's episode, I would love to talk about what to do from a demand gen and go-to-market perspective for all of my startups that are entering the market with a new disruptive technology that are looking to essentially disrupt the market. And I'm really hoping that this episode will be as good as the very first version that I did because I literally just got done recording and then I went to replay it and my microphone was off. Um, so that's great. (laughs) I'm going to try and remember everything that I talked about. I have my outline of like bullet points, but you know, you kind of just go off of like specific tangents. And so I really hope that this one is as valuable as the first one, because I was really passionate about that first one. Um, but I'm going to try my best. So here we go. Um, creating a demand gen plan for all of my startups that are looking to disrupt the market. And what I love about working with startups is that they're always looking to try something that's innovative or to really find a way to change a mindset and to become category leaders. And I think that is really, really cool. But with that comes a specific type of mindset and approach that needs to be talked about and taken into consideration to gear up some of the success and to add some of the layers of things that you're going to start seeing or you're not going to see because there's been like no data to work behind. So I'm excited to dive into all of that with you today. So the first thing that uh, I'll add to if you really truly want to be disruptive, you have to find a way to be everywhere. You have to find a way to either be featured, be sponsored, to create something from scratch, and then to pretty much like market that everywhere. Um, One of the things that um, I found really, really exciting was finding a way to think differently than just best practices. And when you work with startups, there's a lot of, you know, B2B best practices and frameworks that help you to get started on the framework and the foundation of what you're trying to achieve. But if we're really talking about something that is truly disruptive is doing something that is best practice or what everybody else is doing really going to help you gain that level of attention that you're getting from the market or that you want to get from the market? In my opinion, that's just going to make you blend in a little bit more. You're not going to be doing anything different. And so I do think that there's value in best practice frameworks if you're a B2B marketer or looking to get started. But don't let that just be a one and done type of strategy that you never really take an additional lens to. Um, and certain channels, a lot of people say they're dead or they're not going to work. I think a lot of things, they just need to be revolutionized. Email marketing is one of them. I did a podcast on that. Paid social is another one. There's been a lot of talk on the best way to use paid social and the wrong way to use paid social. And I think paid social can be a really valuable strategy when it's used correctly, right? And so this comes about understanding the way that the algorithm works, 
um, and then really creating content that is not dependent on the clicks. Um, if we take LinkedIn, for example, LinkedIn really wants you to have your content in feed. And so for me, the real estate is all about the, what that ad looks like and what that ad says. It's not going to be necessarily the landing page that it takes them to. Sure, the landing page is important. The journey is important. Don't get me wrong. But what we want to do is find a way to tell that story in feed. A lot of companies right now are kind of missing that opportunity. And so if we're really looking to be disruptive, yes, paid social, that is quote unquote, the best practice or the best way to use it. Is that the best way for you to be disruptive in the market by just showcasing an ad that could use the best of the real estate and it is what it is? Or could you find a different way to go um, to market by creating something that's entirely new, that's nobody's ever done before, and using that to distribute it on your paid social strategies? So a great example that I have here is there was one company that I joined where I was director of demand gen, and they were selling a product-led growth product, and they did not back that up. Um, their whole process internally, as well as the CTA on their website, was get a demo. It wasn't a free trial. And so if you're familiar with that PLG motion, PLG is you lead by letting people test out your product first to where they can figure out what that looks like and then buy versus a traditional get a demo process where somebody just buys based off of a demo and, you know, the conversations that a salesperson has told them, as well as the research that they've done on their own. Product-led is they're actually in the product. They're actually testing it out. They're doing it themselves. And so if you're selling a product-led motion, and you're not practicing what you preach, that can kind of be used against you. And the company that I was at recognized that. And what they did, which I thought was really, really cool, and no B2B company that I had been a part of had ever thought about doing something like this, much less actually doing it. But they documented and created their journey to PLG. And they were upfront about like, hey, we're not practicing what we preach. We're not uh, walking the walk. We're kind of just talking the talk. And they wanted to change that. And so they said, here are the steps that we're doing to change it. And that was really fun. And personally, I was featured as well as one of that's like, hey, Janelle, as director of demand gen, what are some of the things that you need to transition from a PLG motion? What are some of the things that you need to think about or you know, that you have questions about? And we just documented that entire journey. It was really fun. So those, that's an example of like, if you're truly trying to be disruptive, if you're truly trying to do something different than just the status quo, you got to find a way to do that. And whether that, again, is being featured or being sponsored, you've got to start creating a, a different way to market than just what everybody else is doing, or else you're not going to be disruptive like you want to be. The next point to really trying to figure out a disruptive marketing strategy is I've talked about this in a couple of my other um, episodes where it's like, oh, you have to have speed to market. You have to have a bias to action. If you don't, then your competitors are going to come in and they're going to take your market share. And I still stand by that. Don't get me wrong. But I think I'll caveat that with this is in addition to being first to market, you also have to be smart to market. So this goes back to those best practices. This goes back to creating something that nobody has ever done before. This goes back to finding a way to be a little bit different and quirky and to let some of those things attract that level of interest. And another great example here is I was having a conversation with one of the clients that I'm working on, and they were talking about how 
people in the industry, they do webinars every single month and people are just exhausted by webinars. They don't really join them anymore. If they do, it's only like one every couple of months, only because it's really, truly intriguing. And they wanted to find a way to be different, to showcase a different offer. And the next thing that they've been seeing is like LinkedIn live events, which is kind of that next, I don't know, modernized event approach. And the next one after that has been a lot of like TikTok lives. And TikTok is still not necessarily a strategy that B2B has adopted truly. Um, and part of that is it really depends on what your audience is and where your audience is. And that's not a strategy that would work for everybody. But it's gotten a lot of talk in the B2B world um, recently over the last couple of months. And so this company was really trying to find a way to create something different between all those three. And what they thought about was a white spacing session. And so what, or not a white spacing, a whiteboarding session. And what they were wanting to do is to invite clients in or their specific accounts and just have them have a whiteboarding session with them to where they would map out all of the strategies, everything they're trying to achieve, and specifically like showcase their knowledge or their thought process on how they would approach solving that problem. And I thought that was really, really cool because again, not something that you would see in the B2B space. Um, and so again, thinking about ways to be different, to be smart and to showcase your expertise. And the next bullet that I have to that is the best way to do that is to find a subject matter expert or a spokesperson that's all, that knows what they're talking about and kind of has that charisma for being on camera and have them do the interviews. Again, whether that's being featured, being sponsored, doing that creation of the whiteboarding or you know the reality show, um, and finding ways to partner them with the um, like your ideal customers or your target accounts. A great example here is if you did want to go down the route of creating a podcast, I always love a good podcast. You can use it from a networking perspective as well, as you can invite the the key leaders on your target accounts to be on a podcast. And then you can share those podcast episodes specifically with your target account list, at least to start with. And then as you start getting some traction, you can drop that podcast to a larger market. Um, and, you know, that could be a really great way to just get some networking opportunities, to get some content and to get some other people talking about you, which is what you need to be truly disruptive. Another thing, pivoting off of kind of shattering the best practices, um, I'll actually go back to one of the best practices that you definitely need to be doing as a disruptive startup is that you have to invest in remarketing. I personally love an omnipresent marketing approach to where no matter where that prospect goes, like your brand or something about you is somewhere there. Um, and it kind of sounds creepy if you think about it, but I love that because it makes them not be able to forget you. And somewhere down the road, someone's going to ask like, hey, have you heard about such and such? And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I think I heard about them. And then they'll either go to your website or they'll just, be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I've heard about them. Or, oh, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. That's what you need. And that starts with checking some of the boxes from a foundational perspective um, but then also, you know, finding ways to make sure that you're doing that correctly. So one of the ways that I've seen success with that is from a remarketing strategy. So if everything that you're doing from like a content creation standpoint and a demand generation standpoint, you also have to support that journey. Somebody's not just going to see an ad and be like, oh, cool, I'm totally bought in. Where do I sign up? Like it's going to take a little bit of nurturing, especially if 
you're trying to convince them to move off of something. Like, for example, spreadsheets. If somebody has been documenting their entire like forecasting series and spreadsheets, and now all of a sudden you offer a, a product that can automate all of that in like 0.2 seconds, that's going to um, take a little bit of questioning behind like what's going to happen with all the other spreadsheets. Like, am I going to lose all that historical data? How user-friendly is this? Am I going to be able to pick it up? Um, I have all of my formulas memorized inside of these spreadsheets and I just like clone and repeat. Can I do that same thing within your product? So there's going to be a lot of um, educating that's going to need to happen. Um, and so being able to kind of support that journey as much as possible throughout those multiple touch points, is going to be really, really important. Another um, call out that I'll add for do's and don'ts, I guess, for marketing for a disruptive startup is what I don't think that you should be doing is focusing on the lower funnel channels. For example, like G2 or software advice or trust radius. Um, a lot of B2B marketers think that they need to immediately come out of the gate with a full funnel strategy and map that all the way from how we're going to create demand all the way through to um, nurturing demand and then ultimately that conversion point. But if you don't have any demand that's there, you don't need to worry about what that bottom point is going to look like. And so if you don't have any customer reviews yet, if you don't really have a whole lot of pushback of comparison between you or a competitor, I would not put that as a comparison, um, I'm sorry, as a strategy for your marketing um, approach. I, I think that as you get a little bit more established in the market, you can start looking at ways to gather some of those and use that as a supporting strategy. But if you're just getting out of the gate, I don't think that that's one of the places that you need to focus your attention on. Another recommendation that I have, and this goes from more of like a go-to-market approach than just specifically demand gen, is that I don't think you should discount. I don't think you should discount your product. And the reason behind that is if you truly are disruptive, it means that you're offering a specific point of value to what has never been offered before. And you can't really put a price point on the value that you're going to be giving somebody by alleviating time or stress or errors or whatever that you know value prop is that you're offering if you're truly trying to be seen as somebody who's like yo like this is dope i've never heard of this before i and i want to sign up i think you, you need to be able to back that up from like a price point perspective now of course do your research make sure you have your product positioning your pricing positioning your messaging positioning you know the whole nine yards when it comes to that but don't just say, I'm so desperate for people to try this product that I'm going to give you a 50% discount because then you're going to start losing that. Well, if you know you truly are what you say you are, why are you giving me such a big discount? Um, so I think in order to support that disruption that you need to be able to stand behind the value of what your product actually offers and not be too desperate to have somebody try it that you just will discount anything just to get a logo behind your name. Um, the next point that I have for that is because you're not discounting, because you're trying to talk about the value that your, your product can offer, you absolutely 100% need to be focused on your customer service. So if somebody is going to be trying your product, especially if they're moving from something that they've been doing before to trying you totally brand new, you need to make sure that that feedback is positive because again, going back to the Slack communities, that is going to be a really, really um, important strategy 
to have those specific little conversations that are happening one off to happen in your favor. If you got somebody to buy you at full price to try you out and the UI sucks, there's always an error. Um, the page never loads or it always kicks you out or whatever product issue they might be facing. They're going to go around and they're going to tell everybody, hey, I bought such and such and it sucks or the UI sucks. Don't get it. And that's going to work against you way more if you're trying to be a disruptive startup to where people are going to start seeing you everywhere and they're going to start asking people, hey, have you heard about you? And if people start saying, yeah, and they had that bad experience, you're done for right? You are done for. And so you really have to prioritize your customer experience. If they're giving you feedback, if they need customer support, um, whatever that is, you need to be falling at their feet, making those changes again, assuming that it's aligned with the direction that your company wants to go and you need to be prioritizing them. And that is because that goes to my next point of that gets you your happy customers to then get those quotes, those video testimonials, the customer roadshows, if you want to do micro events around regions or territories. And that is your starting point from a marketing perspective for growth, right? So as you start disrupting the market, you get a couple of cool logos behind you, you get super happy customers, and then you figure out how to scale that. How can we do this even bigger, even better? And now that you have some of the customers that are ready to just like, tell all their friends about you and yo, everybody has to be trying this product and doing this, that's that buy-in that you need. And that only comes from being able to prioritize your customers up front. Um, and of course, throughout however large you are between just getting started and even if you're 10 years in, you always need to be prioritizing your customers. The next thing that I'll add to that is um, from a measurement standpoint, make sure that you're actually measuring the momentum of your efforts, but you're not doing so in a way that will just pull the plug too soon. So the reason for that is if you're totally starting out and you're new to the market or you're new to a marketing channel, you're not going to have any historical data to use as benchmarks. You're not going to be able to see, is this working? You're not going to be able to go, for example, into Google ads and say, what's the monthly search terms for this? They're not going to exist, right? Like you're not going to be able to find anything. That doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong. Again, you're starting completely from scratch and you're entering the market and you're telling these type of companies, Google, Sixth Sense, you know, anybody else, what they need to be searching for to fit you as a category. And so figure out what you want to be known for, what that makes sense in your messaging perspective from a keyword perspective and what you want to be having as like a tagline and then use that for any of your marketing content. That way, as people start picking up on those type of terms that you're coining, that's what the, the platforms are going to start using to categorize you as. So really make sure that you're doing that strategically, but you're also not pulling the plug too early because it's going to be really hard to start seeing the momentum from these type of things. So really make sure that you're evaluating what those micro KPIs are and that you're documenting that in order to start using that from a long-term measurement perspective. Because a really great way that I, a, a really great thing that I've seen startups do is that they let what their long-term goal is to be sabotaged by the short-term obstacles. 
And so they're not able to actually get that traction in market because they're so quick to just pivot and they turn and they pivot and they see something shiny and they go after it. It's like, you need to figure out what that go-to-market plan is, what that marketing plan is, and you need to stick through it. I think consistency over, I don't know, strategy. I don't want to say that because I think strategy is important, but consistency is definitely important, especially in a long game. And using that as you think about your disruptive startup and your disruptive technology and your marketing strategy is going to be really, really beneficial to seeing that momentum in the longer months and the longer years as you've been sticking to something and you're starting to see that momentum come through from all of your efforts. So hope that helps. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please do not forget to subscribe. Thanks, and see you next time.